It's time for another episode of Espresso Yourself with Chuck. And now, coming to the mic, your host, Chuck. All right, this is a special episode of Espresso Yourself with Chuck. I am joined today by my youngest son, Daniel Knapp, who just returned from technical training with United States Air Force. Daniel, welcome. Thank you. I want to explore a lot of different things with you today. I mentioned that you just returned recently from technical training, but before that, you had to go to basic military training or boot camp, as uh, folks know it, or most folks know it by. Before we talk about boot camp and your technical training, explain why you decided to join the Air National Guard. Well, I decided to join the Air National Guard because I want the ultimate goal was to go to college. And that was kind of the biggest goal. So I figured I wouldn't have as easy as a time completing college if I was active. So National Guard gave me that easy passageway to completing college as soon as possible. As soon as possible. And uh uh, explain to us the process. So you made the decision to go with the Air National Guard. Um, explain to us what that process entailed from visiting with recruiters. Tell us about the entire process because you didn't you didn't just talk to the Air National Guard recruiter. You talked to some active duty recruiters and then you, you mentioned why you chose the Air National Guard. But can you just walk us through that? process for you personally it may look different for other folks but um what what did it look like for you and then uh tell us about once you made the decision uh what what you then had to do to get to boot camp so the the how it went for me was i knew i wanted to do something military um that was always on my mind. And so I started looking into the Marines, um, which I talked to them first and then quickly realized, going through all the recruiters, you realize what you kind of want. You get a feel for what you want, maybe not in life, but what you want out of the military and talking to the Marines and, and, and eventually army, uh, you realize you, I realized that I wasn't, uh, that wasn't for me. So it was good to talk to them because if you're going to do Marines and Army, you're, uh, you're in it. You're, you got to be gung ho and uh, uh, you got to love it. And I didn't know 100% if I was going to love it, which had, was another reason why I went National Guard because if you're National Guard and you don't 100% love it, you know, you're not doing it full time but you have that option. So I talked to the Marines. Um, it didn't seem like the best path for me because if you do the Marines and you know, you're a Marine and those, those guys are, those guys are different. And, uh, and so eventually I talked to the army and then on to the air force and kind of what I said before, just, uh, realized that I didn't know if, active military would be my thing. So National Guard was was the way to go. And 
it's not hard to talk to the recruiters. It's if if you want in, they'll sign you up. So it's Go but ahead. you still have to qualify. I mean, there, there yeah, you are still have to qualify. steps. Not only about one percent of the the population actually goes into the military, and I forget what percentage aren't even eligible because uh, there are numerous standards uh, to get into the military. And uh, and we've talked to some recruiters in the past, and and uh, actually several, probably more than a year ago, we talked to your Marine recruiter about uh, the Marines and his his career path uh, to that. But one of those requirements is the ASVAB. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why it's important to take it? Yeah, the ASVAB is, which I'm sure most of whoever's watching this will know, but it's just basically an aptitude test. It goes over uh, mechanical, uh, math, those are only two lots of other areas of expertise if you will but uh it just tells you where you would be uh better suited at career wise uh, uh you know it's an aptitude test and you have to take that in order to join to see where you qualify and um it's a good thing to take anyone to take it whether you are going to join the military or not because it tells you what things you kind of have that that uh expertise if you or what you like i suppose but what you may be good at right and so it's always good to just take it you know it's not a terribly long test you can take it and see where you're at and if you score high enough then you mostly have the pick of your choice when you're in the military depending on if you go active and so but yeah. So, what area did were you interested in doing uh, in the military? Well, originally, I would have told you infantry or any of the real gung ho, uh, but as I kind of not necessarily matured, but um, no, I wouldn't say matured, but realized what different things I would want in life, like. Um, I realized more of like, like IT, which, you know, is what I'm doing now. Um, it's probably best suited for, you know, if you want to start a family sooner or go to college. And, and so. Um, so, especially with the guard, you were thinking that as a member of the guard, you would have a full-time private sector or non-military job and, and maybe IT was a better path than if you went infantry, probably not a as many uh, private sector or non-military jobs that were in alignment with that. Yeah. Yeah, that was where my head, where my mindset was. And it seemed like IT would be the best, would be the generally quicker way to, you know, securing a private sector job and but had you had any interest in it prior to uh, deciding that might be the job for you i i wouldn't say i wouldn't say so 
just because I hadn't really thought about it until I really started talking to recruiters and then realizing what job opportunities they had. And I heard about cybersecurity. Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. And then to, to be able to do cybersecurity or IT, you have to score a minimum score on the ASVAB. And so did, did you know that before you took the test or did you choose IT after you took the test and knew that you qualified for it? So I knew I wanted to do, I, I knew what job I specifically wanted to do before I took ASVAB. So I was shooting for a score, um, which thankfully I, uh, I got that score right on the dot like you needed a 64 to get it and I got a 64 and I was pumped but there are certain jobs that you do need way higher than that and but I was uh I got the score that I needed so I was thankful for that right and then that's just the score to get you in obviously and we'll talk about that just getting in doesn't guarantee that you're going to be able to do the job so anyway, you did your ASVAB and then uh, what did you do? What did you have to do then? What was the next step? Well, the next step was, uh, for me at least, was basically tell the recruiters you have your ASVAB and then go to MAPS. And some so the timeline is a little bit foggy just because I've been through lots of other stuff in between, but... Uh, yeah, tell the recruiters you got your ASVAB, and then usually they tell you, okay, here's what jobs you you probably qualify for. Because at MEPS, that's when they tell you, like, here are your jobs. What's MEPS? MEPS is the military entrance. I forget what the P stands for. But it's basically you go uh, to you go somewhere and they get you medically processed in and they see if you're medically qualified. And okay. That's, that's and you swear in and uh, which I didn't in my circumstance, but it's just basically where you get medically processed in. Okay. And you say your circumstance because um, I mean, I, I don't want to release HIPAA information. So you can you can explain your circumstance if you want to, but there was a medical issue that needed further clarification that that obviously worked out because then you were approved, and then um, they gave you a date for boot camp, uh, your orders, as I recall, and then they put you on a plane to where and tell us about like the first few days of boot camp, what you were expecting, whether it was it was like what your expectations were, was it better or worse? Uh, tell us about that first week and then just you know some of the highlights of boot camp. Yeah. So yep, so got on a plane, they said, here's your dates, you know get ready because you're going and uh, so i went to lackland of course it's where all the air force go for bmt and and that's in san antonio texas yes san antonio texas and then the first couple of days uh the the worst part i think 
for most of it was you would go and once you arrived in San Antonio, there's a, uh, I forget what they call it, but it's basically a room where all of you that are waiting to go on the bus to drive to BMT, you're sitting in a room with all of these uh, fellow people that are waiting to go and it's just nerve wracking. And so everyone's quiet and, you know, no one's in a, you know, a joyous mood because they, we know, we know it's, you know, it's not about to be fun seven weeks. So, but then we go from there and then we drive the bus and then the next couple of days are uh, definitely the worst because you don't get a lot of sleep and it's a lot of new things you have to get used to. Uh, it's a bit, just culture shock is a good way to put it. What did you do to prepare yourself for BMT in that first week, especially? The first week of BMT or yes. prior? Yes. I don't, I just kept my head down and because uh, that's what the you know some recruiters tell you what to do and I just kept my head down and I tried not to tried not to get in trouble I don't know if I can't really say I tried to prepare in any specific way but just try not to get in trouble try not to do anything so you didn't run 20 miles a day or study videos on air force history or anything like that that's all stuff I planned on doing but and what I was told to do, which I should have listened, but I did not do that. And that would have helped a lot. But you made it through without doing those things. Yes. But you would recommend if somebody was going to BMT that they should possibly prepare a little more than you did. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely more than I did. Uh, okay. Just run. Before you go, don't make running. Uh, uh, don't be scared of running, if you will. Just be comfortable with it, and be comfortable with it being uncomfortable, and you'll you'll be good. So tell us about integrity and that first day when they uh, talk to you about integrity, and and then the next thing that happened. Yeah. So when you know the first day that we got there. We sat down and they said, all right, here's your first test. You remember, we're all about integrity in the Air Force and, you know, you know, we will find out. And so they said, raise your hand if you've ever played an instrument in your life. And so I was like, mm, okay, you know, this, you know, either way, they're probably going to find out because it's the Air Force. And so I raised my hand and they said, all right, everyone that raised your hand, come down here. So we all did. And. And uh, if you raised your hand, you were put in band flight. And, and what does that mean? That means that you play the music for everyone else's graduation. And you're practicing the music throughout BMT while on top of doing everything else everyone else is doing. So it, yeah. And I tried to escape band after high school, but, you know. Following, so they caught up with you. Maybe it, if you would have stayed in, uh, well, then you would have been more experienced. Anyway, it worked out. It worked out. So, when did you 
finally kind of get the the groove of BMT and what were some of the biggest lessons you learned while you were there? See, the day I got, I figured BMT out was the day before graduation when it was too late. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that did, that wasn't much, much help. And they tell you that they say, you will figure it out when, when you leave. So uh, what was it that you figured out? You what? What did you figure out? That it's, it's really, I mean, they tell you it's a game before you go in. So, you know, oh, it's a game. But when you're getting yelled at, you, you take it personally. And at the end of the day, at the end of the seven weeks, it's like, it really was like, it's not personal. It's just, you know, it is what it is. Everyone goes through it. So. But not everyone makes it out. I mean, there are a few people that through medical or whatever. Um, so you made it through BMT and during BMT, you're, you're pretty heavily restricted on outside communication. Uh, you can only, well, tell us about that. What were you allowed to do? Yeah. So you're allowed mail every, you're allowed to open it every day except for Saturday, Sunday and holidays and certain special circumstances. And uh, so you're allowed mail and you're allowed a phone call. Um, you're required to have, I believe it was at least three phone calls throughout BMT, but you could earn calls if your flight was exceptional or, you know, it permitted it. But, uh, it was very rare that you got a phone call, extra phone calls, at least. What was one of the, the activities, training sessions, or maybe just an interaction with one of your um, milita military training instructors or a fellow recruit that you remember um, or, you know, maybe one or two stories that you remember from boot camp that you don't think you'll ever forget. Well, a lot of it, well, the yelling, I, I won't forget that. Uh, but a lot of the instructors were really, uh, when you progress through it, you, you, you uh, have more respect for them because they start to share stories of their time and how it relates to the training and why the training is so important and following instructions and, and why details are important. And, uh, one of the instructors, uh, well, we all had like uh, a team time, if you will, uh, where the instructor would mentor us. There was just a time for that. And, and she was, um, she was deployed and I won't go into like the story or anything because it's too long, but, but she had just given some, an experience that she had with some people that she dealt with that were just, they, they would have died for a mattress where she was deployed. Like they had pointed guns at these, these people and, and they were willing to die for a mattress. And so you realize like how good you have it and, well, basically, like long story short, but that's one story that that I won't forget. 
how would you assess the growth you had? Um, obviously, you realized maybe that you'd taken some things for granted just based on that mattress story. But in high school, uh, I would say that maybe you weren't as focused on academics as as um, you needed to be later during your Air Force technical training. Were there any other lessons you learned during BMT specifically that that you didn't learn during high school or before? I would say, I would say the things I learned in BMT were things that you know you or you know, people around me had tried to teach me but it hadn't been like it's different when you're getting yelled at and you're forced to do it and you're uh if that makes sense you're just you're not doing it out of your own free will it's like you either pay attention to detail or but the thing that i gained most from bmt is just respect towards others and and uh which I wasn't disrespectful or anything, but just how like important it is and and uh and time, like how important showing up on time is and that's a big thing. But and that would have helped in high school. So that's kind of I mean, they teach you some some life lessons. They do some financial literacy stuff there at the end of, of BMT and and you know, there are some general things you learn, but but basically they're teaching you how to be an airman, right? I mean, at BMT, the next phase of your training is a lot more specific to your job. So tell us a, about that next phase, what it's called and how it differed from BMT. And then just maybe lifestyle changes from BMT to your, your technical training. Yeah, so my technical training, you know, it's just called tech school and for short. And mine was for cyber defense operations. And my specific job is cybersecurity or security operations. Um, and when we, you, there was a, another culture shock with tech school because they sprinkle in some, some, uh, some more responsibility and some more freedom. And so you go from having no freedom to, okay, now you can leave base and you can go to bed at, you know, really whatever time you want. Um, you, you still have curfew, but, but it's just the extra freedom. It's kind of a culture shock because they start to treat you more like an adult or, but yeah, tech school was definitely... The military is full of culture shock from what have I, I've experienced. Yeah. I remember one of the early phone calls and that was for the family. It's great because before we couldn't just pick up a phone and call you or we couldn't text you or, you know, whatever we could write you and then, you know, maybe get a return letter every once in a while because of your schedule with the band and everything. But once you get to technical school, like we can, we can reach out. We, I mean, obviously if you're in class, you can't answer your phone um, or if you're in a secure environment, whatever, but 
Um, but for the family, it's a whole lot easier and it's great, but you were just through seven and a half weeks of very regimented life. And so, as I recall that, that culture shock was it, to me, it was odd because I would have thought that you would have loved the freedom, but it seemed like it was a little bit of a challenge at first. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that, that was, uh, that was interesting because I, yeah, it was a shock for me because I usually wouldn't like like a regimented schedule. I would just like to do whatever I want. Um, and you would, I mean, you would probably know that prior to BMT and, and, um, but going through BMT, it's, it's, it makes life a whole lot easier. I feel like when you have like, okay, at, uh, zero 0600, you have to do this and you have to do it by then. And um, at tech school, there's, there's kind of that, but it's not really like on the weekends, you, it's pretty much like, Hey, it's your weekend, go do what you want. And so it's almost like, this is a trap. Like, and so it's just interesting. Um, it's interesting how that changed. I know there are different occupations that they train recruits to do at Keesler Air Force. Your older brother was there as a member of the Navy to learn about weather. And um, so there are different different training training sessions going on for, for different folks and and different branches. I mentioned the Navy, the Marines are there, Air Force. I don't know if, if there are others, but... Um, you were there for the cybersecurity and what you just mentioned. Um, can you tell us what that program is like, how it's how it's kind of divided up into different sections and maybe the biggest challenges you you experienced with with either the academics, the the speed at which you were expected to learn, uh, the pressure if there was any kind of run us through that? Yeah, so, the hardest part definitely was the academics. I mean, that's what you're there for, but that was because as you said before in high school, I was not um, academic oriented. And so, you know, I didn't really care in high school. And so I didn't study much. I didn't have a good study habits. And at case at, at tech school, they, they say, here's the material you need to learn it. And you need to learn it fast because you learn stuff in a couple of days and then you review for it and you take a test in a week. And it's kind of hard to uh, portray that just by saying it, but um, they basically shove the material down your throat. And so it's especially hard for me coming from like, I didn't prepare myself. I, I don't have good study habits and, that was the hardest part. And, and I struggled at a certain point of that. I failed one of the blocks, which, you know, but, um, yeah, and that, that was a big setback at the time, but yeah. what does that mean? I mean, what could that have meant at the time? What, what were your options? I mean, tell us about that. Right. So when you fail, so you have a certain amount of blocks and the blocks is, uh, 
a block is typically a week of study material and then you test at the end of the block or the end of the week. And so if you fail the block test, then you get recycled. And that that just basically means that you have to go through the block again. So you're set back a week. And so, but that's assuming that everything's on schedule and they can put you in a slot. So you fail the first time, they recycle you. If you fail a second time, then they're most likely going to give you another job, which would be a, a pretty big setback. Um, and on occasion, they'll give you a second chance um, or another, like a third chance, basically. But it usually doesn't happen. They just reclass you if you fail it the second time. So that actually happened with with your brothers, uh, some of his friends at his technical training, they they failed and they got a new job. And so um, I know one person wanted to be an aerographer, which is like a weather forecaster. They failed and they became a cook. Um, so, you know, the jobs may vary, but you may have signed up to do something. And if you don't stay on top of your studies, you may end up getting something else. So you said this was the second block, the second block of how many? There were five blocks total. Excuse me, six. Okay. So you failed the second block. You got um, pushed back. So at that point, what, what was going through your mind and, and how did you respond? Well, at that moment in time, I was like, I mean, finance can't be so bad because you know <laughs> and you'd get that but you know but finance being that they would you know reclass me and and I was kind of like I was dealing with it because I didn't do so hot on the first test for that so I'm thinking oh I mean the second test you know it's probably going to be harder um and um but yeah but no, but I ended up just uh, getting it together and I started studying harder because, you know, I really wanted the cyber job and uh, it was a good motivator getting kicked down, if that makes sense. It was kind of a wake up call, I think. Oh, yeah. Did you think it was going to be easy going in? <laughs> yes, there Yes. Really? There were some there are some forums which you probably shouldn't, you know, rely too much on the forums, but they said, you know, Keesler, you know, tech school's not that bad, you know, you just gotta get by and and that's not and it might be true for some people, but for someone like me who didn't have good study habits and who does like I don't pick them up on information too terribly easy like i need to really like work at it to get it in it took me failing that block two test and getting you know not necessarily yelled at but yelled at for it that it took okay because you and, literally did get yelled at yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good motivator <laughs> not not by us but by the uh folks there at Keesler. It did provide some motivation though. Oh, it worked. 
It worked. And so, so go ahead. I was just going to say, so I get, I mean, it, I could be thankful for it. Maybe if they hadn't yelled at me, it wouldn't have passed again. So tough love. Uh, so you had that six block and then there were some other, other, I don't know if they're called modules, but you had to do some other courses, but it's all kind of culminating in this big certification that you have to have, that you have to pass. Tell us a little bit about that and your experience with it. Yeah. So in order to be for for most of the cyber jobs, you need security plus CompTIA security plus. That's just like a, a DOD mandated certification that you need in order to say you graduated from this and you know your stuff. And so that's kind of the final uh, token to leave tech school, if you will, to say, you know, you're ready. And so that's the big, like, that's the big hill you got to climb. And that was a big, uh, an unknown variable because I didn't know much about IT and, even in BMT, people will talk about how, you know, Security Plus is pretty daunting. And and so, yeah, that was, from the beginning of Texel, that was a big uh, worry of mine. And, and so, even if you just Google Security Plus, it will say that they recommend you have two years of IT experience and have, you know, this kind of maybe preparation for it. And how many weeks did they allow you in tech training to prepare for, for your SEC plus test? They, they allow two weeks. That's the class. But for me specifically, I wanted to get home as fast as possible. I wanted to pass that test and leave tech school. And so I didn't, I wasn't able to have time set aside specifically for security plus so i had to you know make time and sacrifice some things in order to study for that but so you did it concurrently you were finishing up your regular it training and at the same time you were studying for the sec plus certification to try to take it early so you could leave tech training two or three weeks early um what did you have to do to be eligible to even take the test early? Did you say that again? Yeah. So you said that most people, they finish up their regular IT training, and then they have two weeks to prepare for the SEC plus certification, but you wanted to get home more quickly. So instead of finishing your regular coursework, taking two weeks to prepare for SEC plus, instead of the two years that they recommend, you know, that people normally have, you decided to start studying for the SEC plus certification while you were still finishing up your regular IT training. Um, but you can't just take the SEC plus test you have to qualify for it. So in addition to studying for your regular IT training, 
there was there was some other prep work. So tell us about that and and um, and how that all worked out. Yeah. So in order to qualify to take the early test, you have to take a pretest to see if you're going to waste the Air Force's money on taking this test because the the Security Plus test costs a little under $400, I believe, uh, for that voucher to take the test. So they don't want to like give anyone the voucher if you're not going to even be close. Right. So yeah, I just studied for that, studied for the pretest and the goal was to pass the pretest. And then once I pressed the pretest and I could, you know, put my head down and really put it in gear to study for the actual thing. So you, you, um, passed the pretest, obviously. Um, I think if I remember right, you were, there were only three of 14 in your class that actually were able to go on and take the, the early test. Is that, right they so they eventually were able to but so the three out of the 14 of us we were the first few to do it so they our other classmates had the chance at a later time but um, mm -hmm. so anyway you took the test uh what's what do you have to get on that 83 percent something like that to pass it it's around there yeah it's uh, uh it's out of it's a 100 to 900 scoring scale and you have to get a 750. Okay. So tell us about um, what you were thinking when you were taking the test and then you get an instant result once you hit submit. So what was that? What was that like? And what was your reaction when you saw whether or not you passed it? Yeah. So during the test, yeah, I was pretty nervous, obviously, because this determines whether you go home early or or you stay in tech school and you got to wake up and do PT. And so, you know, it's pretty nerve wracking. And before that, and 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 they make you like take your coats off and, you know, it's it's uh, so you're not cheating or anything, which, um, you know, makes sense. But it's just pretty daunting and you realize that it's like the, this is a real deal and you, you better do good. So it was just pretty uh, nerve wracking. And, and so, well, I felt like I was doing okay until I got to a certain part and I was like, okay, you know, an extra 30 days at Kieser isn't too bad. <laughs> and, then, and then, so I eventually got done with it and, you have to take some survey at the end. And then, so I was clicking through that as fast as I could. And then at the end of the survey, it said I passed and I, I was going to pass out, but I, thankfully I didn't. And, but I was shaking. I was shaking pretty bad. And uh, so, yeah, I said I passed and that's all I needed. So and then you grad, well, you still had to finish up your regular classes. Uh, so you still had a test in your regular classes. Uh, then you graduated, uh, came back to Topeka, but you're not finished yet. Now, what do you have to do? 
Yeah, so now I just have to go back to my gaming station, which is just McConnell in Wichita. And then I just have on-the-job training. And then I'll be good to go. And how long is your on-the-job training? 30 days. 30 days. And then you will be finished and then you'll do your regular guard responsibilities duties uh, tell us a little bit about that what what are what are your responsibilities how long's your contract with the air national guard um and you know maybe some of the benefits that come along with being in the air national guard yeah so after the on the job training all i do is the one week in a month basically you show up um friday saturday sunday give or take and um you basically just you do your job for three days and then you go back to your life and uh you know you're the weekend warrior and um but it works for me and uh so I I I know I'll enjoy it and uh that's pretty much it unless you know some emergency happens and you know we get deployed and or activated so God forbid anything like that happens, but, um, but yeah. And then some of the benefits, um, and you still have, and you'll have two weeks of training at each year as well. Yes. In the two weeks in the, in the year and, uh, and, uh, which is all worth it. Um, but yeah, and some of the benefits, there's a lot of them, um, college right now, there's a hundred percent uh, in-state tuition assistance. Um, so what they'll pay for all the tuition for any in-state college, obviously. And so that's, that was the biggest thing, uh, for me was that. And, uh, I don't want to say too specifically on, uh, health, cause I don't know the numbers, so I don't want to say anything and then it'd be, it'd be wrong, but you get certain health benefits that, can be very competitive and are really good deal com comparatively to what you might get with other people. And, and, and you get to say you're in the air force. That's, that's a, that looks good, especially on the resumes and um, you'll meet people that, you know, can open a lot of doors for you. And some of the smartest people I've ever met, we're in the Air Force and they they know what they're talking about. And, you know, but definitely networking. That's a big benefit that no one talks about. So what is next? You mentioned college. What what are your plans uh, to finish or to do college? Well, actually, I think the other thing uh, you mentioned college and that the Air Guard will pay 100 percent of the tuition for that. But you also came out of BMT and technical training with several college credits. So you're not starting as a freshman in college. You already have how many hours approximately? Around, it should be around 40. It should be around 40. I haven't checked recently, but it that's what they said. It should be around there. So, and that's really good from, you know, all we've done and, uh, but definitely worth it. And it sets you up because you're not at ground zero. So, mm -hmm. so what are you, what are you going to do in college? 
I'm hoping to get a degree in cybersecurity. And um, I'm looking to go, well, I'm not sure yet, but either Washburn or KU or, you know, I'm deciding between those two. And uh, yeah. And then after college, uh, some kind of IT career? I think the end goal would be a cybersecurity analyst for you know for any company that that's hiring and uh, it pays good that's that's it <laughs> that's the big one but but yeah anything in it and yeah. yeah and i don't know if you're i mean i can you talk about what other um things you uh, were able to get as um a member of the the military as far as you know assets to a company as far as clearances and things like that so what was that just the 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 clearance that i have how it affects the employment right i mean uh, and i i mean i think it's fairly well known and we can edit this out if it's not but you receive uh, top secret clearance um, when you to go through this program, and that's over a hundred thousand dollars probably value um, that a private company would have to pay to get an employee with that same type of clearance, and you have it now, and so um, that is probably very attractive to private sector contractors and and companies that that are looking for folks with that expertise yeah yeah all right well daniel what would you tell a young person who maybe hasn't considered the military whether it's active duty or the the national guard um what what would you tell them they should do or or not do i would say i would say you, if you're unsure, you should just join because in, at the, in the long run, you're going to be gone for maybe four months and your whole life that it's nothing and the benefits you would get from it. And, you know, it's, it's way worth than it's way worth it. So if you're unsure, you should just join. Wow. Just do it, I guess. So I'll ask you one more question. Was there a time during BMT, whether it was the first week or partway through that you questioned your decision? I mean, you just told other people to just do it. So I'm guessing ultimately you determined that it was a good thing, but was there ever a time that you were wondering if you had made the right decision? Yeah. Every day, every day we woke up and they started banging on the door and uh, I was still out of bed and yeah, every day. But you know, I took, decision, but did you ever think that you made the wrong decision? No. Is that what you're saying? Every day you thought you made the wrong decision? Yes, basically. <laughs> it, it took after tech school to realize, okay, this, you know, it wasn't that bad and it was worth it. But yeah, going through it, it wasn't fun, but worth it. Got it. 
Well, Daniel, thank you for sharing your journey with us. We're excited to see what the next chapter brings, but uh, it was it was interesting watching from the outside and then even more interesting hearing about it um, after you got home. And so we're glad you would share it with our audience here on Espresso Yourself with Chuck. And I look forward to our next episode that will be coming up next Friday at 9.30. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Music for Espresso Yourself with Chuck is provided by Ben Sound Music at bensound.com. Thank you to our announcer, Kelly Newton, and producers Kim Fertig and Don Neer.